Alright, we're here. We made it to Hempfest. Kind of. And it fucking rained. It rained, and then it rained some more, and then it it looked like it was gonna clear up, and then it just kept raining. I'm here with the professor, progressor, himself. He's taking a dab from the e-nail. So we had to come back to the hotel and play Exploding Kittens with the with dabs instead of drinking because drinking's for dumbasses. We also have denatured in the house. Denatured in the house, also, and the fire princess herself, BJ. Hello. What'd you think of Hempfest, bro? <laughs> A little disappointing on the first day. Because of the weather? Mostly because of the weather. So, you're kind of a scientist. Is that safe Safe to say? Let's say, yeah, probably. An, an, you, an you, anonymous you, scientist? I feel comfortable with that. What is your science of study? Uh, it is uh, chemistry. Ooh, so you're a chemist. I am a chemist. Do you like a cut chemist? Uh, <laughs> I need to, I got some work to do before I get to that point. Okay. Fair enough. Have you synthesized anything I or our listeners on the Hotbox podcast may have heard about? Um, I've used synthetic cannabinoids uh, to target uh, cancers in a medicinal chemistry lab for my graduate research. Interesting. So these are not like, you weren't like taking spice and K2 and then blowing it at cancer patients. You were actually... Using the synthetic cannabinoids to infect the cancer cells? How does that work exactly, doctor? Uh, Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. You're a professor. Uh, sure. Professor progressor. Okay. I just want to be clear on where we stand here. Um, no, so basically uh, certain cancers express the same receptors that your brain expresses for cannabinoids to activate them and give you a, a high or so they activate like those and they are then attracted into those same well because they are expressed in such high number relative to healthy tissue mm. in the tumor for example that we're talking about then uh, any drug that's targeted with a strong binding cannabinoid can be localized to that area so there's uh, um a higher concentration of the drug that is being Trojan horsed into the, the tumor. By so the you're not using the cannabinoid to actually kill the cancer cell. You're using it as a delivery system to Correct. infect it with, and then like some mm -hmm. radiation. Yeah, is this a can, nuclear powered? You can do synthetic cannabinoid. You can do radiotherapy. Mm. Uh, depending on, you can attach anything you want to it. You can attach mm. a chemotherapeutic agent. Or you can attach just an imaging agent, so it's not right. going to kill it, but it'll show you where in the person's body sure. is lighting up, is, would be corresponding like, to the tumor. You could or, attach a PDF to it, or a JPEG, perhaps. <laughs> a, an animated GIF <laughs> of a kitten exploding, uh, perhaps? Im, well, an imaging agent would be something like a, flore a fluorophore, sure, like a small, sure. small fluorescent molecule. What if you wanted to hypothetically communicate with this cancer cell? You could get the language that it uses and then encode that steganography style in the image 
of like a bowl of dicks, let's say for example, and you want to be like cancer wants you to eat this bowl of dicks, so you would encode that message in the cancer's language, and then through the synthetic cannabinoid, you would deliver that message. Is there a way the to translate you would hit send. to suck dicks? <laughs> no. Eating bowls of them. Well, the cancer you can't really. Is the cancer sentient? First yeah. of all, <laughs> you can't really you can't really mess with the cancer too much. It's kind of got its own thing going, so you just have to study it and see how it's different, and then you can exploit that uh, that feature. Yeah. Cancer psychology. <clears throat> exactly. You're just you gotta get in the cancer's head, huh? You know, you you exploit the weaknesses. I like sure. that because cancer's pretty strong. It likes to likes to divide really quickly and to, in order to do that it needs a lot of nutrients and so that's why it upregulates those receptors so I use the synthetic can- cannabinoids uh, instead of the natural ones like THC stuff like that because they've been designed in a lab to bind those same receptors with a much higher affinity than the natural ones so a higher affinity allows us to use less of the drug that's attached to it, the payload, to treat the cancer because the drug is more aptly targeted to the tumor and uh, you have less toxicity in the liver and kidneys associated with normal chemotherapy. Are there any natural ones that have that high of an affinity or is that affinity cut off at a certain point? It's pretty, it's it's not, it's suboptimal for for this kind of therapy because if you do that, if we do it the right way with a really high affinity... Uh, synthetic cannabinoid, we can attach a really nasty drug to it, one that's hmm. going to kill anything it comes in contact with, which we would normally give to anybody because they would die. You know, it's we use a lot weaker chemotherapeutics when you just inject it straight into their bloodstream and hope it goes to the cancer through natural processes. But when you target it, it makes it a lot more effective. So if I read off to you a list of synthetic cannabinoids, you going to say yes or no as to which one this is? Oh, or I can is tell there you. a few? I can tell you the ones is that I used. Is it 3CAF? No. Is it 5FAB Panaka? No. Is it 5FADB? Look, I'm just going to go ahead and stop you. <laughs> is it ADBFUBINAC? <laughs> there's a, there's he a ton of them. He knows what they is are. Is it PX1? <laughs> is it PX2? <laughs> it's actually PX2. So... Is it PX4? <laughs> Tell me if I'm getting warmer. You're getting colder, I think. Okay. So which ones is it? So <laughs> uh, I tried a couple different projects. One, trying to target CB2 receptor because CB2 is the one that's more tied to inflammation and other types of cancers. So I tried to use a CB2 agonist, one that doesn't go to CB1, uh, only to CB2, and that uh, used a SR144528. Mm, I'm uh, familiar with that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a really good one. It's Real strong stability <laughs> in it, plus five stability. Uh-huh. And it's I got, like that. It's got functional, functional plus groups Plus three attack. On it. You can plus attach four to. functional groups. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I also used uh, AM1241, Ooh, yeah. another... Bold choice. <laughs> I, I would have went 143 myself, but... You oh, know, no, you don't want that. That's, I'm old that's school. No good. I'm old school. <laughs> and then the, the <laughs> most, no idea what I'm saying. What was it? The most recent one I tried was HU210, which is made at the Hebrew University. Israel does a lot of cannabinoid research. Oh yeah, that's the article you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that's that one binds both CB1 and CB2 really strong. Right, right. So it doesn't really matter. You can target either one because CB1 is mostly in the brain. CB2 is mostly in your, your immune system. Are those the only two? Is there a that we know CB4? Of. There, people have thought of, people have thought there might be a third cannabinoid receptor, but it's not been characterized. It's, it's how do you start. do that? How do you find that? Uh, it's uh, well, I would I would start by looking at the endocannabinoid system and sure. seeing where those are binding naturally. Could what? You... Where do they think the third one would be coming from? The brain. Uh, it, I'm not sure. It might just, if it exists, which it right, might not. Ancient aliens. Yeah. Then would be <laughs> the logical choice. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I'm going to have to say, uh, yes, I agree. <laughs> so is it possible to provoke like further receptor growth if you completely like in, in in like opiates or something you you fill up all those mu receptors and then more blossom up and then that's why you have the withdrawals because you don't fill up all of them like mm-hmm. is that the same way in the endocannabinoid receptors can you cause more to maybe elevate to that cb3 or 4 level possibly uh you can definitely mess with your cannabinoid receptor expression levels by Stimulating them or not stimulating them. Is that something you would recommend people do? Should we just I, I tell people say, to do that? Well, I think you. Like I think you do it all it. the time. I fuck with it. Smoke, yeah, when you smoke it, you're doing you're that all the time. Right. But so if you if you like had access to a lab and analyzed samples of everything you were going to smoke and you put together a collection of something that encompassed the full spectrum of cannabinoids, all of the CBs, NGs, mm-hmm. As all of the THCs, mm-hmm. all of that, and as many of the terpenes as you can, because mm-hmm. you want those that are potentiating. Like, could would that would that be a good way to then cause that evolution? evolution. Um, yeah, I think we have the ability to use, like, microarrays and stuff like that to do really fast binding analyses and stuff like that. Mm. And... <clears throat> I don't. I mean, if we're if you're trying to study the natural system and how like cannabis affects the brain, in, as a more general picture, as opposed to looking at exactly how just the cannabinoids affect the CB, you know, the cannabinoid receptors individually, right? Because right, right. you know, like you said, ter- the plant, There's a ton can, of other shit in there. Yeah, that you terpenes don't... may be potentiators, right? Or, right. or you know, who, who knows? There's a bunch of other cannabinoids. Scientifically, you would go one by one, not. Be like, here's a bunch of them. Right, yeah, just look at each interesting one. Interesting changes. Uh, All right, here's a bunch more. <laughs> and it just depends on what your end goal is, too, you know? Well, if you're just trying to get stoned, I'm just trying to get high. <laughs> like, you know, if you could also accomplish some sort of some sort of research. I would say you can do some about that by just changing strains and stuff like that. Right, right. Um only just to vary the terpenes because really, I mean, THC... It's all THC, the same cannabinoids? THC. Pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some some uh, strains express like THCV like we are talking about, yeah, yeah. which uh, is an, essentially an antagonist, or it'll bind CB1 and can displace THC, or be a competitive inhibitor of THC, therefore you don't get the effects of THC from smoking, because right. THCV is taking up the binding site in the receptor. That could save a lot of lives. I mean, countless people go to the ER and die every day and die from <laughs> cannabinoid receptor overdose. As you may have seen the statistics, startling statistics. It's terrifying. It's simply terrifying. It's why I won't practice medicine anymore personally. I had to say I enough of that. I'm glad. Yeah, it's a terrible 
terrible things. Yeah, it might be something cool to uh, to look into at least because you know somebody has a uh, a drug a, test a kid, or, that they have to pass. Well, I don't think it'll help you there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it won't just like wipe it <laughs> all. Your fat cells. I'm for just a while. going to pee this yeah. out and then pass my test. <laughs> <laughs> but it might, you know, if your kid or your your dog gets ahead of uh, a hold of your edible or something like that. Sure, you, that you does. You give them THCV in a higher dose to keep them from having the effects of the THC. Falling asleep and raiding your cabinet. <laughs> exactly. Twitching uncontrollably. Paranoia. <laughs> yeah. Paranoia, yeah. yeah. Yeah, some things that may not be desirable necessarily. Mm. But I feel like if you get that paranoia, that might be your own fault for being so, like, over... Like, over-worried about it. Mm-hmm. Like, as a parent, if you freaked your kid out about it, and then they ate some, and then they freaked out, like, yeah. you kind of freaked them out about it to begin with. I mean, assuming they're, like, old enough to even understand, yeah. like, what you're talking about. And that's the thing. If you're going to freak them out, you got to really freak them out and make sure they're not like, I'm going to test that. Like, Just you to need sure. to freak them the fuck out and make sure that they don't ever cross that line. Because uh-huh. if they do, then they find out you're lying. Yeah. Then it's over. Yeah, it's hard to freak me out about such a... About such a calm, yeah. soothing plant. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Especially if you're going to be smoking it all the time. Like, that would be something pretty well impossible. How do you explain, don't do this? But wait, I'll be right back. I gotta I'm go doing, do this. I'm doing something different. Don't do what I'm doing. I mean, do what I'm doing, but don't, don't do what I'm doing. I'd say once you're smart enough. Yeah, I mean, but you if you're that you smart, are. that means your kid's probably got a good chance of being that smart. Well. So, you're fucking rude. <laughs> Let's not make It's a combination of genetics and environment. But the chance of them growing up and knowing that you're ball-faced lying to them about that, that you were doing exactly what you told them you weren't doing when you told them not to do that. Well, that's over yeah, the second but, I mean, they you can get also on the say, internet. Right? Yeah, you can also say something like, uh, I am doing this, but I mean, you shouldn't do it until you're of right. this age. Until you're my age, yeah. then you can. Yeah. <laughs> until then, don't. Could don't, you imagine don't do though it, having that and like that. being like, "Yeah, Santa Claus, I googled that last night, and turns out that's all bullshit." <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're doing it with an Easter Bunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. You're lying. I wish I had that when I was a kid. I would have called them out. Been like, "Hold up, you are we lying." I have a list of your lies, and for each one, I'm going to need some compensation. <laughs> I called out the Easter Bunny when I was, like, three. I went and played some hide-and-go-seek with my youngest brother, and, like, he stopped hiding and came and found me. And I'm thinking, like, this isn't how this game goes. Like, I'm supposed to be finding you. No, sis, you got to see what I found. And he found our Easter baskets, and it's, like, two or three days before. So I was, like, brought him and drug him out across the floor. I'm, like... What are these? Oh, the Easter Bunny must have came early. There's no Easter Bunny. That's a lie, too. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you see anything there in our brief rain-soaked uh, jaunt through the park um, that caught your <coughs> eye? Anything? It was there was some cool closed up. <clears throat> that, it depends. Yeah, we we saw some stuff. There's a lot that was closed up. There was some cool glass. I think there's a lot of cool glass. Mm-hmm. A lot of expensive glass. Right. That's a that's unfortunate. That's to be like real heavy glass. Mm-hmm. Is that then like all of the people that have 
started to make their money in the recreational market, they're like, ah, I finally, I finally got to the point where I can afford this twelve hundred dollar glass piece. Yeah, well, I think a lot more people would be comfortable spending that, knowing yeah. that they're not going to go like, to jail in the next in the near future, you yeah, know, or something for walking out of there bro- with it, uh-huh. broken in a raid, or yeah. And then just never letting your friends use it. You have, like, this <laughs> is your mine. Massive. When I said we were going to smoke... Is that, smoke, like, your way of smoking cigars if you don't smoke cigars? Like, that one, you know, like, hell yeah moment? You pull it down off the shelf and you're like... <sighs> you pull out the nice weed. <laughs> load a bowl and are like, yes. Congratulations to me, motherfucker. <laughs> and then just like put it back after you're done smoking your bowl and go back to your normal p- shit and go about. Is that like what that is? Yeah. Because you definitely don't want it on the counter every day. Right. You break every other bomb at some point. So eventually, if that one's sitting on the counter, you're going to break it too. That's sad, but true. So if it's only like up in the corner on display, except for when you need that cigar, you know. Thing. Mm-hmm. That's called a waste. You're just being wasteful. That boy. <laughs> Stop wasting so much. Wasting disease. <laughs> well, the but the thing is, like a cigar is completely gone forever. As is a bottle of champagne if you drink it on special occasion. That will always be sitting up there as long as you take care of it. Like every time a special event comes, you don't have to go buy another bottle of champagne. Or find another bottle or another nice cigar. You, you just take your, your beautiful, <laughs> precious bong take down. Take the flowers out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Dump all the ashes out of it. <laughs> and start again. It would be like your fine china. It would never come out. It would collect dust. You'd move one day, it would get broken. You'd be like, oh, well, that sucks. And you'd throw it away. Never think about it again. And that is not how I want to spend $1,200. Yeah. Now, if I had unlimited amounts of money and it didn't fucking matter, sure, I'll support all the glass companies making cool glass. Mm Mm-hmm. But saw a lot of, a lot of, like... Sketchy people. Yeah, I guess not, like, shadier types, but, yeah, kind of, like, sketchy people. A lot of people that, like, ordered a bunch of shitty wholesale stuff and then, like, is trying to resell it and make a buck, I guess. There was a lot of cheap glass for A lot of cheap, cheap knockoff Mm -hmm. stuff. Kind of industrialized? Not industrialized, but more... Less active and more, like, business-y, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's been like that a while. And that's good to see. We need that kind of shit as well. I'm sure if we came back tomorrow, we'd have completely different out- outlooks. Probably. Right? But it was like a cold, dreary walk through sadness and like you, Like as a kid when you had to do your chores all day, and then at the end of the day you got to go to the carnival, but everything was pretty much already, like, Shut your down. friends had already fucking gone home. Like, you Shut. got there just in time to have dinner with them. And then as you're and, leaving, like, some now- guy tries to sell you heroin. You're, <laughs> like, you're like, well, since I didn't get to ride any of the rides, I guess. And I'll you know what happens after that? You end up strung out and in the streets in Seattle and in the rainy season. And I'll tell you what, that's probably not a very good place to be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't live here, I'm just passing through, but I would imagine if I did, that would not be very fun. <laughs> I don't like Alright, we need to play this game so I can completely whoop your asses.
Exploding Kittens. Exploding Kittens. The terrors of tripping on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! The tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. 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 What's up, everybody? Today is Tuesday, August 25th, 2015. It's episode 163 of the Hotbox. I'm Matt Lee. This is the Hotbox. Check us out. Hotboxpodcast.com. It's the site. Read all about it. Uh, on today's show, got some something fun uh, for everybody here. Going to talk to the great Gooey Rabinsky. I wrote a couple articles over on Waxy. Uh, one in particular uh, about terpenes, cannabinoids. Cannabis research happening on the legal level, up and up, and all these fun things we're discovering. And then a, a longer-form article uh, in regards to using cannabis in uh, addiction as far as being an alcoholic goes. So I found that pretty interesting. Uh, and then uh, I want to have him on when we talk about this. Uh, Karina came and uh, sent us the letter that she actually is going to or has already read to the Clarkston City Council <laughs> So, I uh, it's it's this is going to be good. I really hope they get that that sorted uh over there. So, uh got some new read views up on stuffstonerslike.com. Check it out. The chocolate trunk from Orgros up or from Forbidden. Where is this from? There's so many weeds that have been reviewed. I just I can't keep track of them all. I, it's it's all over the place. This is from Orgro. So, that's pretty cool. Uh, got the green crack, super silver haze, golden pineapple, some star dog, some plush berry, blackberry pie, phantom cherry pie, blue magoo, uh, OG Kush, and then of course the lit email review, which I'm still super stoked about. So check out all those over on stuffstonerslike.com. You can search for Matt Lee in the search box there, and that'll bring you up to my byline with all of my reviews. So without further ado, we'll get. Gooey Rabinsky on the show here, and we'll talk about some weed stuff. Gooey Rabinsky, you are live on the Hotbox Podcast, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's your week going so far? So far, so good. Mondays are the start of my weekend, so, you know, I love that. You alternative lifestylers. I know, I know. It's awesome. Getting paid in cash and getting Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays off. How are you doing, man? Got some good articles up on Waxy I wanted to talk to you about. I appreciate you taking some time out and coming on the show. You bet. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about some of these topics. I think one of the biggest problems in, well, really, you know, the free world, but let's just uh, limit that to the United States or maybe North America. Uh, but the problem is ignorance on the part of voters, on the part of, part of consumers. And consumers are voters. They're just voting with their dollars. So anyway, we can educate people beyond reefer madness and all this <laughs> really silly bullshit that we've been dealing with for the last 80 years in terms of education and media. Uh, you know, we need to uh, take advantage of social media and do that. It is much easier now than ever, and I don't think it could have happened any other time except for the time that had this sort of platform that was, you know, 
worldwide, global, whatever you want to call it, able to get out information by the people for the people. And I mean, that's, that's kind of how this stuff starts. It's like somebody gets an idea that is different than what the government's been telling them. And they're like, wait a sec, I, I don't feel dangerous and want to go kill and rape and all that stuff when I get stoned on the weed something to this and then of course now we have uh, as your article says uh, cannabis research happening on the up and up level which is awesome before you had to have special schedule one grants and all that stuff and they would only give them to you if you were going to show that weed was dangerous it seemed like so now people are, are are working in labs and for labs that that have the plcs and the hplcs and everything that can test this stuff and you're talking about over a hundred different cannabinoids that have been isolated and identified to date. And that's since the first ones were discovered back in 64. Right, right. In Israel, I mean, it's still since 1937. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of hardcore laboratory, you know, double blind human trials kind of research going on prior to 1934 for most drugs, you know, for, for lots of things that people put in their bodies. Uh, so in some respects, at least in the United States, we've never had robust, well-funded research into cannabis as medicine or recreational effects. Uh, you know, the health uh, realities of it, we've basically never done that. Uh, and it's really ironic because America is, at least in terms of industry and, and capitalism, uh, certainly a, a leader uh, in the world. And yet... Half of these uh, articles I'm writing for Waxy when I'm citing studies, they're from Spain or mm -hmm. Mexico. Maybe, you know, you get some stuff out of McGill University in Canada, um, United Kingdom, uh, sometimes even Australia. Uh, and they're relatively conservative on, on herb. I almost wonder if, if it would have, if it's almost like the space race and we had like an enemy that we had to beat. Like, I almost wonder if there was like a Middle Eastern or a Russian version of that that's like, we're going to map all these cannabinoids first and you're not. And I mean, it is happening in other countries, like you point out, the latest ones uh, in Israel talking about the CBDs and CBGs and whatnots. And like, it still seems like they're just trying to be that prohibition voice. And it's like, well, that's that's fine, but not for us. It's it's a weird mind state that they've adapted because it is science and it's research. And we're usually like all about that as a country. But yeah, I don't know. The lack of research and the lack of credible, objective scientific data that would come from that research. And, you know, we tend to think the days of reefer madness are far in our past. But, uh, you know, I have teenage kids who just a few years ago went through a D.A.R.E. program that, uh, you know, told them uh, medical marijuana is as bad as heroin or PCP. And, you know, it's just uh, spewed a bunch of just... Re I, I don't care if you lean left or right, center... It, you know, if you're fat or skinny or dumb or smart, I really don't care. But you need to look at the research and, and you need to educate yourself. And we've got a lot of people out there, whether they be dare police officers or teachers in school uh, and parents who are they're, they're just regurgitating what's been said for the past 40, 50 
80 years. Because that's easy, right? It's easier to do that than to actually do the research yourself. And when I say do the research, I mean Google it. You're not in a lab, you know, mixing chemicals. You're just looking online, seeing what you can find. And they it's, they still, they would rather, you know, just turn a blind eye to it. And actually, we've kind of been talking with uh, a couple people in the town of Clarkston, Washington, because everyone assumes that here in Washington, like, oh, it's recreational. Everyone has it that wants it. Everyone that wants to sell it can do. Everything is fine. But there are these counties that people don't realize, and they're generally smaller counties that they're run by this city council, and they... I find the, the, the more harsh their stance on cannabis is, the more corrupt the city council is. It's a weird thing. But in Clarkston, Washington specifically, they sold the business license and they did everything that they were going to do as, as a city. And then when the business opened up in the place that they said they could be, they told they shut it down. And so there, this stuff is still happening regardless of if they're educated or not. You know, it, it's a weird thing to, to stop industry like that. Well, you bring up a very good point, Matt, uh, because everybody tends to think of Colorado being the first state in the nation to uh, legalize recreational, uh, that they're just this kind of nirvana of both medical and recreational marijuana and marijuana tourism. And they do have these amazing things going on from both a commercial and a scientific you know, and research perspective in Colorado. But the reality is most of that's in Denver. And the majority of the counties and municipalities, let's just say, you know, municipal bodies, whether they're villages or townships or counties, uh, but the majority of them have said, well, we can't change the law that you can possess and consume here, but we can say no marijuana businesses, even if they're medical, screw it. You got to drive to the next county. Like 68% of the counties in Colorado have done this. And what it really proves at a political level is that Denver passed. This is a Denver thing. It's not so much Colorado. Right, right. Colorado are pissed off about it. And that that's interesting to see, like, and living in other states, like I came from Montana to come work in the cannabis industry here in Washington. And like, the whole mindset is that, oh, these states have it made now. And it's kind of far from that. I mean, they do more so than like a, a state like, let's say, Tennessee or Oklahoma, you know, somewhere in the Bible Belt that it's like a, a giant felony if you have a little keef in your grinder to, you know, the, the more wide open markets that California and even Montana used to have before their medical got clamped down on. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you see it here in Washington as far as like medical versus recreational, like even within the same what should be the same industry like you have this infighting that people for some reason or another whether it's political agenda or or, or whatever it is like they can't agree on it it's it's a strange thing and like ohio for example they're about to vote on like a monopoly like are you guys cool with this monopoly happening because the rest of the country doesn't seem to like monopolies unless it's you know phone service or or cell carriers or, or something silly like that I've written about Responsible Ohio several times just because I was very intrigued by it. What do you think about them? Are you are you down with the monopoly or is um, it okay, if we want to be like Mr. Spock, you know, if you're if you're a Star Trek Sure or white or black <laughs> to this right. So if you just want to re- be very logical about the situation, it's a thousand shades of gray. There's tremendous benefits for consumers. And despite some shortcomings, uh, like no outdoor growing, et cetera, uh, it's, a, it's not a bad deal for medical users either. Because currently in the Buckeye State, 
all of those people just mentioned are criminals right. with, in very many cases, felonies. Uh, and, you know, think about how it's clogging up the judicial system, wasting mm-hmm. police time. I want them to be solving rapes and thefts. And, you know, the guy who robbed the ATM yesterday, find that bastard. They shouldn't be messing with a kid who's got a couple joints in his pocket. And I can see that being like if you can and I don't I don't know I'm really torn with this because I I've seen what monopolies can do as far as like internet service providers and cable companies in cities where like that's your only choice and their service is appalling but I I can also see having like a standardized body of people that know what they're doing hopefully being like we're going to produce this for everybody and everyone that wants it will get it I, I don't know. It seems like maybe if you can pick places to do it where it's like environmentally more favorable than others and you're not damming up streams and ruining ecosystems and everything, like there's so much more that goes into it than to just say like, yes, that's good or no, it's not. But when you hear monopoly, like instantly you're like, well, why does it have to be that way? Like the market should just sort itself out if, if you think about it. it. You know, if there's too many shops or too much weed, like it'll, the price will drop. It will eventually sort itself out. I don't see why we have to impose such initial like constraints on it, I guess. I, I don't know. I feel weird about it. It's a weird thing. <laughs> oh, no, you're, you're bringing up some excellent points. And, and, and actually, I wrote a blog post, of, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, and I called it the schizophrenia of responsible Ohio, because on the one hand, it's it, it, it's really you've got guys like Russ Belleville who you know writes for the Huffington Post and, mm-hmm. and is you know pretty widely distributed on social media. He's got a lot of readers. He's a smart guy. He's a good writer, and uh, he's saying go for responsible Ohio. He's not ignoring the shortcomings of the monopoly. And I'll tell you right now, some of his arguments uh, are just very very sensical and and you know logical. Now personally. Nobody's asked me this yet, but would I vote for responsible Ohio? No, I would not. And the reason I'm against it, uh, and I would just really feel for all the people who are going to get busted, you know, in the next year that it takes then in 2016, November, to uh, pass something else. Uh, But the monopoly, you need robust competition on the production level in order to drive down prices, increase innovation, uh, increase brand creativity, service-specific market niches. Uh, You can't have only 10 production facilities. This is not me being politically for or against Responsible Ohio whatsoever. That's just economics 101, and people can ignore it or not. I do think that there's a lot of people in the Ohio legislature, uh, largely Republican-dominated state legislature, uh, that are just against marijuana, period. And many of them have been vocal about it, including Governor Kasich. So you've, you've got these people who now have introduced an anti-monopoly bill that's going to compete with Responsible Ohio on the November 3rd ballot. And basically, if both of these pass, it will instantly nullify Responsible Ohio. So I, you know, I think the motive of some of the people in the Ohio legislature, uh, some of these reps and senators, is – anti-marijuana and and when it's anti-medical marijuana especially it's really sad that they haven't educated themselves or listened to their constituents but the ones who are sincerely against monopolies or oligopolies if you want to be technically correct being written into the state constitution 
those people, they've got my vote. I, I'm, I'm going to vote no for Responsible Ohio and yes uh, for uh, the anti-monopoly because that's, that's the way I would do it anyway if I was there. Sure. And getting back to the, the, the uh, marijuana uh, as far as being you know a, an endocannabinoid system and having all of these effects, I, I like that you pointed out, and I haven't really seen this in much reading, is that a lack of this stuff in your ECS is like could be you know what's causing some of this. And of course, we'll need a lot more research to, to happen, but I, I have always thought that, and I've never actually like put it down on paper, and then I read that, and I was like, yes, that's how to phrase it. That is, that's awesome. Um, yeah, endocannabinoid deficiency is interesting because, well, you know, in the 70s and 80s, I think American consumers got very acclimated to the idea that you were being convinced by vitamin companies and pharmaceuticals that you were deficient in something. Right. And they just happened to have the product that would make you not deficient anymore and, and you know, bring you up to snuff. And we've seen so, that now that a lot of that was just way overkill. You're getting, you know, the majority of those vitamins and minerals you need in your diet. So that was just. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so I think we understand the concept of the deficiency, but you know, it's true that, uh, you know, we sit in these bad postures all day long at, in these cube farms and corporations and in the jobs we hold on to. So, we, you know, we can pay our bill. Not like we can just walk out of that environment and start, start canoeing everything. Right. Go farming and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, love, I love that perspective from, from, you know, certain tree huggers. But, uh, you know, we do have to have a job. Maybe you get a standing desk, you know, I... I don't know. A ball, perhaps. I've seen lots of people <laughs> sitting on giant red balls lately. It's that kind of crazy Google kind of stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we're just, we don't necessarily have the healthiest of lifestyles. You know, we've, we've got stress and anxiety and carpal tunnel and, you know, it's crazy. So I, I think given our lack of exercise, too much time watching TV, fatty processed foods, I think it really makes sense. Uh, I don't think it's a stretch to think that we're deficient in multiple ways. Yeah, and, and even just like cannabinoids aside, I mean, there's a myriad of other plant medicines that have, you know, uh, like tryptamines, for example, like our brain creates that as well. We have anatomide is one of the, the uh, cannabinoids that our brain creates. And it's, it's interesting to see like the difference in the attitudes and the just the like modes of people that are completely one side and like do not have any of these things in their system. And then the, the other side that is, you know, well experienced in, in like mushroom uh, tryptamines and, and DMT and all of these other plant medicines, it's like a night and day difference in their personality and attitude. And like, for me personally, I'd much rather deal with, with the side that isn't doped up on liquor, but is been enlightened through these plant medicines that they're just, they're such nicer people. I feel like more enlightened at least. Yeah, yeah, the kind of people you meet at the, you know, in the deadhead circles and at the music festivals. Yeah, barter fairs, <laughs> exactly. But always so nice and, like, caring and willing to help you. It, it's it's definitely an, an interesting uh, difference. I think you can definitely tell, you know, if you if you have a coworker or a neighbor or, uh, you know, possibly you're at the store or whatever, uh, and... You see someone who's just – you just get this feeling that they've never, ever smoked cannabis in their entire life. Right. And that they need to, you know, that, that this is just a, a, a person who is miserable with life 
and, you know, stressed out of their mind and probably self-medicating with, you know, booze and tobacco, which is what most Americans sure. do. Well, that was, that was encouraged. I mean, that was like media created and, and, and designed specifically to, to get at, at you and at, at ladies back in the, in the Mad Men days of, of those, those, that guy that created that first smoking ad, I just insane how much you know they captured in that in that whole thing i think if if not only did we erase stigma and the reefer madness perceptions that that are still held by so many you know conservative and uh religiously fundamental people in the united states and we replaced it with education and and they really understood cannabinoids and terpenes and you know the efficacy of of cannabis for dozens probably what'll end up being hundreds of ailments and diseases you know if they if they suddenly had uh that perception and then on top of that you apply some madman level you know billion dollar marketing and ad campaigns the bernesian parasite is what they call that (laughs) And, and look, we've got uh, – I, I really like it when people compare the burgeoning uh, marijuana business, uh, especially recreationally, with the wine business. I, I remember telling a colleague and saying, yes, please do that. If you have any influence over that, market it to me like a wine because the whole idea is on quality, right? Now, I'm not saying all the wine out there is great, but they're all trying to give you the impression that, that they're a distinguished example of the art. Sure, uh, you can get your your two dollar bottle of of Boone's Farm or Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, or you can get your top shelf, you know, eight hundred dollar nineteen. You know, and I've seen dates on weed like that, like in shops, like this is the pre ninety eight cut of the Bubba Kush. You know, like it is very connoisseur like in, in as the wine industry is. We have weed tasting parties here, like in in as people have wine tasting, except we don't obviously spit the weed out; we smoke it. But it's it's a lot of the same thing, you know. We pass it around, then we have the terpene profiles of that that bud that was analyzed from the lab, and it's like here's we we first see what people smell, and then we smoke it, and then we look at it again with the profiles so as to not have a preconceived notion going into it of what you should be smelling, like to get the 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 actual like what are what do you think you're smelling? So with smoke, how do you uh, how do you clear your palate? Do you like that's one thing we're still working on and uh, the lab is kind of maybe gonna come out with some sort of terpene mix that would do that but I- i'm not sure it's i drink a lot of rock stars and eat candy sometimes but yeah it's it's definitely there's got to be a way to do it right i mean it's it's like anything else it's taste buds and the alimentary system yeah, exactly. You know, and it's nice that in legal states, and, and again, with reference to what we were talking about earlier, that, you know, it's still no panacea. It's it's still there are, you know, large sections of these very relatively progressive states like Washington, Oregon, California, Cal- Colorado, Alaska, you know, that uh, that are just very conservative and, and don't encourage that. But at, at least like where you are in Washington, 
there's enough of a community that's grown up around both recreational and medical marijuana that you can have those parties that you're talking about. And those people can come together and share growing experience or, you know, people with MS or cancer or AIDS, like some of the stuff you see at WAM uh, in Santa Cruz, California, that, that a community of those of hundreds of those people comes together. And, and with that community comes, I think, a certain knowledge level, a certain kind of hive level knowledge and understanding of, uh, you know, best cultivation practices, uh, uh, best usage practices, uh, and even getting into some low-level scientific research. Like the LD50 of marijuana, for example. You'd have to have a brick of it dropped on your head to kill you. Although... I suppose you could extract it down into, like, something super pure, maybe, but it's still such a huge amount. Like, it's it's almost designed, or it evolved in a way to, like, perfectly work with our system, and if there's too much, yeah, it's fine. You're just gonna take a little nap. Exactly. Well, there was... And I apologize because I write so much. I sometimes, uh, you know, forget where this came from. But there was one article that discussed. Uh, now, this was a study with laboratory animals that happened to be rats, uh, and the rats, when injected with very high quantities of THC, uh, began producing kind of an anti-THC uh, chemical. You know, it was a protein or, or, or something, but almost uh, like THCV, sort of. And well, and it just and it counteracted it, you know, and kept them from just you know going out of their minds on on the THC. But they only saw that at at the very elevated levels. So, you know, maybe back to what you're talking about with the endocannabinoid system, we have if the endocannabinoid system and cannabis as a plant and other herbs evolved. It, along with humans, okay, so a change in the plant could mean a slight change in the in the human's right, DNA right, and right. vice versa. And if it if it kept going that direction, uh, it, it it makes sense that our because all mammals have an endocannabinoid system. That's why we can do studies on monkeys and, and rats uh, and get pretty pretty accurate results, you know, and, and know what we're going to see in human trials. Uh, so. It, it, what if we have a fail-safe system built into our endocannabinoid system uh, because, hey, we're used to this plant. Yeah, we've known this plant for hundreds of thousands or millions of years. Yeah, that, that's, that's super interesting. It's, are you, uh, do, you, do you subscribe at all to the stoned ape theory? Are you, are you familiar with that? It's saying that like Neanderthal, one side or the like other. Like the mushroom and yeah, we ate it and that's where, or the monkey ate it and that's where, or not monkey, but y- you know what I'm saying. They, they ate it and that's where this higher learning, and this it unlocked something in the brain and that's where that evolutionary fork took so, off and eventually became us. Stanley Kubrick film. You know, sort of. It, it, was, it was a McKenna thing, I think, and I'm not sure where he got it from. But yeah, it's sort of like that as far as the monolith and... and yeah, it's interesting. Um, I certainly think it could be. You know, something triggers that great leap, or or what have you. Like for us, maybe now you would call that technology if you were. Uh, you could call it the process or something like that that triggers this just exponential, you know, leap in in evolution. Right. I I, I certainly think it could have been something. Uh, I, I think you know you had to have an opposable thumb and you had to have a brain smart enough to operate the damn thing and use it sure. creatively. Uh, and and if you had both of those, you know, suddenly you're walking on the moon. It's 1969. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Building spaceships. Right. 
It's really damn cool. It, it's cool that it's it's not only like triggering you know possible uh, things like that, but like you write about in this in this piece on Waxy about cannabis treatment for alcoholism, uh, that you know it you can use this sort of stuff as like. It, it, it's almost like it knew or and I don't want to give like a, a a sentience to something that's not but it's it's like it did it came up with us and was like you guys are going to be raging alcoholics a bunch of you are going to get hooked on pills heroin you know all this stuff so this plant and the system that co-evolved with it, it it's like a way to kind of and it doesn't really flush out your system but it will definitely help you cope with it and I've had interactions with other medicines like that like ibogaine which does actually fully just wipe your system and and you know kind of lets you see what you need to see to deal with the psychological side while it's doing the work on your physical side and like helping these receptors close back up and everything and it, it is very interesting i feel like cannabis is like that but on a much you know lighter scale well we tend to think we need to understand more about terpenes and cannabinoids uh, and, that, and that's all true i mean we're all we're very ignorant about all this for as long as as humans have been using this plant both uh you know in the form of modern day marijuana and cannabis and uh, traditionally as hemp and not necessarily for euphoric purposes uh but it, it's a we're super ignorant of it but I think one area where we really need to get some good research is with the CB1 and the CB2 receptors. You know, it's, it's only within the last, what, 20 years, uh, something like that, you know, uh, not even half a lifetime where we've understood, oh, it's a CB1 receptor dealing with THC and responsible for euphoria. And the CB2 are more for the immune system and more the medical side of it. Um, this is all fairly recent knowledge and again because of the dearth of research in the united states okay so we know that we haven't been able to do anything with that knowledge or we haven't been able to take it to the next level stepping stones for sure and that's where things uh, i've been reading a little bit about thcv and the different affinities it has and you could almost use that in a way and i I did notice in another article you wrote about tolerance and everything and i wrote a little something about this over on stuff stoners like about how changing up your your strain and of course you can't always do this depending on where you live but if you have the access switching up your strains which switches up your cannabinoid profile and your terpene profiles will reinvigorate your high and of course you can only do this so many times before you really just need to stop smoking for a couple weeks but that's it, it is interesting that 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 you know, depending on which ones you get at which levels, like it, it kind of dictates the effect and then you can get used to that to where you need to, you know, smoke a totally different strain that has a completely different profile to it before you can really get those effects. And I'm, I'm kind of to the point where, you know, it's, there aren't really anything else to switch to just reviewing so much weed after a while. You're just like, okay, need to take a break. And I, I feel like it's interesting that the THCV stuff, like you could almost use that as like a reset if you could then figure out how to reset the THCV or get it to where it, its half-life is low enough. You know, there, there, it, there's a lot of stuff there, but it, it's an interesting path to go down if, if that was possible. Yeah, it takes an intense knowledge of not only the cannabinoids themselves, but the endocannabinoid system also because, you know, it's a lock and, and key kind of Thing. Yeah, it's like the opiate receptors and mu receptors and stuff. Exactly. So we can't just 
I, I have isolated knowledge of the cannabinoids and know very little about the receptors. And, and really, thank goodness, medical technology, testing technology is is advancing at the pace that it is because I think this becomes a big data game where it, whether it's in cultivation, whether it's in understanding the DNA structure of, uh, you know, uh, a creature with an endocannabinoid system and how it works with terpenes and such, but it's extremely complicated stuff. You know, I, I, I don't think anybody really pretends to, to understand the big picture, even though there's some really, really smart guys out there, uh, doing research, you know, people like, uh, uh, you got GW Pharmaceuticals. They're doing some neat stuff. Ethan Russo. Um, so, so yeah, we still, you know, we have hope on the horizon. It's just a political mess, right? And it's still so new. And because of how, I mean, the any other industry that has had such a large just mark on it for so long because of government propaganda and everything, like it, it is, it's neat to see the the upward graphs of like the five hundred two data sites and everything that even in the face of all of this negativity, like everyone's still into it. We just need to get everyone else into it, or at least backed off from you know making it this huge thing where hoops have to be jumped through just a new normal business. And it's like, you're, you're hurting businesses and they're still doing well, which is amazing to me. And the whole tax structure of it, as far as not being able to use your, your materials as write-offs because of old mafia esque (laughs) rules. Like there's definitely a lot of stuff that, that needs to get fixed. I can't believe there's dispensaries like Denver Relief, for example, in, in Denver, obviously. Uh, they've been there since '09. They're the oldest in Denver. There were some that were, cre- that were founded prior to them, but they're not around anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and, and obviously, there's a real thriving population of, of dispensaries uh, uh, in Denver. But uh, I can't believe they've been in operation since '09, so about six years. And... It's, it's cash-only basis. They can't even take a customer's uh, debit or credit card and swipe it and say, you know, there's your, there's your $80, you nope. know, uh, and enjoy your medicine. The ones here actually have ATMs in there that you can use. But, yeah, there's still no, no taking cash. cards. And it's the whole federal thing. If it wasn't a Schedule One and they weren't such giant Ds about it, like, you wouldn't have this issue. I mean, you have services popping up, like PayQuick and everything, but I, I don't know. I still feel feel a little timid towards using certain services like that. Yeah. I mean, you've got enough trust issues in this business and then to introduce another layer of complexity and uncertainty to it through the payment system. Uh, More especially one that comes out of nowhere and is like, oh, hey, come put your money in our banks that aren't here. It's like, okay, sure. Take I barely all. trust PayPal. I'm not yeah, trust- yeah, exactly. If PayPal would be like, I mean, you need a big enough entity. You need like Google and PayPal and Amazon and them, everyone that has a wallet system to get together and be like, all right, listen, we're done doing business with anyone until you guys are done being dicks to the weed industry because all of our, all of our employees smoke weed. Like the whole tech industry is all about weed and, and other plant plant medicines it's they're the ones big enough to be able to do that or at least just replace the technology with technology of their own that does do that it's not i mean it's not that far off but 
I feel like they're taking so long because the government, like, this is their last chance to really capitalize on it. So they want to do it as slowly as possible to where they make enough profits at the end. It's it's like a buyout, right? Like the 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 founders of this company, this United States weed prohibition company, they're like, we're gonna get our payout. We're and we want it to be big because after this, we're done. Our our jails are gonna be empty. Like all of these things we've been profiting big bucks on are, are gonna go away. There's Bernie Sanders trying to, you know, there's speculating he's going to introduce uh, legislation to uh, outlaw prisons for profit. Just totally do away. That would be huge, right? Like, that is the worst thing. You can't be like, here's a prison and a law system to put people there for no good reason other than for profit. That's Everybody likes money. I I love money. I don't know. You probably love money. Most people I know like sex, money, and ice cream. You know, they just, they kind of, they like those things. Humans, man. (laughs) So we'll create the system that is fueled by money, you know, their motive is money. Well, everyone likes money, okay? So they say, wow, the more people we lock up, the more money we get, you know? I'm not even getting conspiratorial with, you know, the payouts and, and yeah, yeah, you know, just all the other stuff that you know has got to be going on with such a uh, profit-driven... It's like every TV show about that you've ever seen. Like, take bits and pieces from all that, and that's pretty much what's really happening. Yeah, yeah, that's a little, that's creepy. It you know, is. <laughs> like thinking about the prison system in the United States, it's just it's 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 creepy and very very dark. You know, definitely. Um, I do want to read. I had a, a letter that was this was actually written by a, a lady named Karina Kamen. She is in Clarkston, Washington, and has been attending these city council meetings. And uh, we've kind of been, been following this along a little bit with Nathan Betts and the Canafor Life uh, dispensary that was closed down and then, like, in a lawsuit – or not a lawsuit, but in a court case with the city because of it. And it, it was a whole mess. But it's getting to the point where, like, the citizens have realized that, all right, this city council – Regardless of how much educating and how nice we are and all of the stuff we have brought to them, like they're not listening. So um, a couple weeks ago, one of the city council members just totally fell asleep in the city council while they were hearing from the people, the public comment. And so this is a letter that she is going to read to them or has read to them already. And she wrote it into us and wanted me to share it. Uh, She says to the members of the Clarkston City Council, I'm again writing you to discuss the ban that you have in place against the sale of marijuana in the city limits of Clarkston. I'm kind of hoping that you can shed some light on this whole thing. I'm not really sure what more we as voting citizens can do to get you to step back and take a look at what you were doing. In the last month or so, this community has come together to help others. We have shown that this city is caring, compassionate, hardworking, and giving citizens that join together and rise to the challenge of helping others. Uh, first, with the passing of our friend Dale Spear, now with the tragic wildfires that are savagely consuming our beautiful forests as well as the forests of our neighboring states, we've joined together every council meeting to stand up against the negative looks comments, name-calling, and the overall feeling of being looked down upon simply because we as people feel differently than each and every one of you. It is not right. You keep using the smokescreen of keeping our children safe when in actuality you're doing them harm. You're dividing the unity that this city possesses. We have proven it. Another point I wish to make is that I've personally heard each and every one of you claim that none of you are opposed to medical marijuana. To this I have to disagree. You have all proven otherwise. The passing of Senate Bill 5052 bans medical and recreational marijuana together as one and the same, 
my question to you is, how can you say that you are looking out for the better of our city? Turn around in the very same breath. Tell us that we and our children have to suffer. All because of a $50 city business license that you refuse to issue? My final matter is to a specific councilman, Mr. Provost. I sat at the last meeting and watched you sleep while the public was speaking. This is not the first time either. I had to dig my phone out of my purse, turn it on, and snap two totally different pictures of you. You can give whatever excuse you want, but you are clearly sleeping. My statement is this. If you are so bored or uninterested in what the public has to say, why don't you step down now and save us all the time? Sincerely, Karina Kamen. He was tired. He was up all night with some Brazilian hookers, and yeah. he was really kind of stressed out. Hey, fast times in Clarkston, Washington, when you're a city council of five, and you've been probably born into it like some weird Game of Thrones thing. It's like, you know, I used to live in Virginia outside of D.C., and they have, you know, the Blue Bloods, the, the traditional families with the money and the power, mm-hmm. uh, relatively conservative uh, and so, so it sounds like you're talking about the blue bloods of like uh, the Pacific Northwest. It is kind of. It's like the Hetfields and the McCoys, more like. That's like what it kind of reminds me of. Yeah, they're just not- like, this is our land. We're going to do this. And they're like, no, you're not. This is our land. And the people voted on it. So it's like, ah, you guys are kind of not doing what the people wanted. And the people are so- getting mad. And now they're paying attention to you. <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole issue when a county or municipality says no to it. Like like I said earlier, they can't say no to po- legal possession and consumption. They that they, they can't go counter to the state. But but the state gives them the option. Now, when those laws are passed, it just makes it a little more difficult to pass them to to get a lot of those yes votes. But they can pass it and say, this cannot be modified. This has to be implemented 100% to this language, uh, you know, for every single citizen in the state. Like, for example, like welfare legislation or something. You can't exclude certain groups if they qualify. So uh, that would be something where, no, you can't mess with this municipalities. But in this case, the language typically allows them to do so. And I think it creates a very different culture it's kind of a divisive culture well look at prohibition uh, i grew up in ohio and uh there would be dry counties and i remember these dry counties very well when i was a kid people would be like no i live in you know butler county and it's dry <laughs> so we gotta we gotta drive four miles to go get beer and i thought what the hell is that about that yeah sounds it's weird you're gonna drive over this imaginary line where all of a sudden the county is not dry and get booze and then bring it back to your county, or are you consuming them there and then driving back? Like, how does that work? Right, it's just freaking ridiculous. It's, your, it's that prohibitionist attitude that kind of makes these things that people then do because they want to get messed up one way or another. Like, that's how life is. That's how humans are. And you just, you make it more risky, and then you make it the option of you making even more money because you're going to get a DUI and then have to pay fines and get put into that system that just cashes in on more people being put through it. It's a weird, another weird thing. Yeah, yeah, there's a, well, that's, you know, you were talking about Waxy earlier. That's one of the very first articles I ever did for them back in the spring, and it was about the dark side of legalization and and how 
you know, if you think conservatives, uh, and again, I don't want to go all Republican and Democrat. I have plenty of friends who are Republicans, you know. Uh, as long as you plug your brain in and, and try to think about some of these issues, there are intelligent arguments on both sides of the aisle. And at the same time, they're both sh- crappy parties who are not getting jacked done and they've been bought off by corporations and special interests. Yeah. So, so you know, I'm, I really like to, to, to leave that behind. Uh, but uh, there's conservative entrenched you know uh, powers d- do not gently give up their their foothold you know <laughs> i mean i if i were general motors in <coughs> 68 or whatever if i was on top of the world the world's largest corporation i guess what today is apple computer i would d- damn well not want to give up my leadership position either so so i understand you know i think that's part of the capitalist system but when there's so many dirty tricks and so much propaganda right. and just the refusal you know it's just a couple months ago that there was a, a a bill in congress to allow uh the nih under basically under the command of the dea to do very limited research with uh, a focus on CBD oil, okay, on non-THC cannabis products. Uh, and as conservative and as tightly controlled as that was, holy crap, the DEA would have been calling the shots, okay? And it would have been a government agency, NIH, that would have been doing it. Uh, they still voted it down. So I think that is the pinnacle, in my opinion. That is, that is the... Well, it, but they have a, a history of that. Like during the... the um, well, after the Nixon era, when they had their counsel and their doctors, the very own doctors that were advising them on what to do, were like, hey, this plant isn't that dangerous. You guys are making a big deal out of it. Like they just chose not to listen. They went and did what they were going to do for their agenda. And it, like we see that time and time again to where it, it's just we expect it now. So when it does happen, like you're saying, under these very tight and controlled uh, variables or, or, or controls and everything, like it, it's they, they, they still manage to pull out some sort of positive research that's like, oh yeah, this is actually killing cancer cells when you hose it down there with it, <laughs> like in a Petri dish under these certain conditions. Yeah, that's actually, you know, it's, it's interesting that I took note of the fact that National Cancer Institute had some uh, pro- cannabis relatively pro cannabinoid uh, for tumor shrinkage and you know anti-cancer uh, qualities they've had that information on their website for uh, several months a long time and uh, but just recently and I think it's great but it's it's uh, it, now suddenly everybody's taking notice on social media and such and of course they're packaging it as look here's the federal government preventing research and not even allowing cannabis for military veterans for PTSD and you know all these bad things uh, all these kind of Luddite like behaviors uh, but at the same time here's a, a, a government organization uh, saying you know this is uh, yeah the, and typically they're citing research that was conducted outside the United States. Right. And we'll, we'll get more and more done within the United States as this opens up more, which will be, it'll be cool to see. And it'll be good to have the validation of the other studies that are like, okay, this is actually a thing. It is kind of not good to see though, like it getting brought to that other extreme where it's like, this is 
going to cure cancer that people saying that this is like it, it it's it almost takes it to a creepy homeopathic place it's like it, it's not that it's i mean i hope it's not that but i i see a lot of articles uh kind of parading it around as like the one silver bullet that's gonna cure all of humanity from everything that ails it and i i, I as much as i love it and smoke it every day all day like it, it's not that i don't i don't feel like Right. It's not a panacea. I mean, exactly. there are a lot of very serious conditions where it does nothing for the condition itself. It only uh, decreases the, the the symptoms of the disease. Or your awareness itself. of them and how much you care that this, you know, it, it, it makes you more tolerant to things. Exactly. Well, there, well, sometimes all you're doing is dealing with the negative side effects of the pharmaceutical therapies and drugs that you right. have to take to stay alive. And, but the, the, you know, I've had too many people tell me, I don't know which was worse, my disease or the side effects of my pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. It's I, a cliche. I, yeah. Okay? When it's that bad, if all the cannabis does is deal with the side effects of the drugs that try to keep you alive, it, how can you be cynical about that? But it does so much more. It's like, I mean, it'll put Crohn's into remission. And if the animal studies that have been done are, you know, are, are found to be true in human trials. Uh, it, it means it it basically puts cancer into remission too. Something it doesn't do for a whole lot of other conditions. Right. A lot of these things that we see, and it would be interesting to test if if the people that are at greater cancer risk are also the people that have completely, you know, made their endocannabinoid system deficient. Like, have never smoked weed ever, ever, ever. That that sort of stuff. It, it would be interesting to see, and again, correlation doesn't isn't causation, but it it would be cool to see if if it was close or something. Because yeah, maybe I think, I think it's a lot of neat stuff. You know, like if we've got genetic defects at birth, where let's say you were missing a finger or a toe or you know something something like that, uh, th- then could you not be born with say a deficiency in CB1 or CB2 receptors in the endocannabinoid system? Or you know, throughout the immune system and those organs, uh, and therefore you're less able to absorb things like like either internally produced or externally produced phytocannabinoids. Uh, but you know, some people are born with a big nose, a small nose, tall, short, you know, different skin colors. Uh, what are, what's the spectrum within humans? of uh endocannabinoid system health so to speak well if you look at it that way like what are what do other deficiencies cause i mean diabetes stuff like that are it's a deficiency if you want to look at it that way that has huge effects on you negatively yeah life altering yeah exactly we just we just don't know yet but we will one day so To go back to the, the, the Bernie Sanders thing, just, just to throw this out there, like, are you, are you following him as far as a possibility? I mean, surely more than any other <laughs> lesser evil we've been given to choose. I'm, uh... Lawrence Lessig, perhaps? I like kind of a lot of the stuff he was having to say as far as, you know, I'm just going to fix this and then be like, see you later. <laughs> Essig is, is the really, you know, intellectual, liberal attorney, you know, professor, Ivy League professor. Uh, and, and I love the guy. And yeah, if I, if I had the choice of all these people, I, Lessig is one that I would take over. Lessig Bernie's. and Sanders. Cause so then when he leaves, then maybe Bernie can, can have a chance to do what he was going to do. And then by that time, there's only going to be like a year left. So, Hey, I mean, I don't mean to sound cynical about the whole thing. Cause I know it's kind of, 
you know, in, in vogue to be cynical. About no, all. be cynical, please. People need to hear this. I, I just, you know, Lessig is telling the truth and uh, he, the system is too rigged. He'll never make it. Yeah. And everybody knows it. And I know there's that philosophy that says because that's your attitude, he won't make it. But it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you just have faith in him, he'd make it. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know. Now, but he won't. So I'm not gonna. So now he isn't. <laughs> argue it. It's silly. Yeah. But, uh, now, Bernie Sanders, who's not who knows, because the thing I'm noticing about Hillary and again, not that I'm spending no, I'm reading about cannabinoids. I'm not spending. Yeah, money. yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Hillary, she's got like people who love her for a variety of reasons. Whether it's that she'd be the first female president, or or that she, you know, They're like that's Bill's wife. I'll vote for her. <laughs> yeah, they, we're from Arkansas. And we're voting for Hillary. goddammit. it! And that's just the way it is. Uh, but 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 I think she's got a whole lot of people who just. Didn't like Clinton, don't like her. Yeah. And I, boy, it really makes me question. I, I think this is going to be a pretty drama filled election season. I feel like this is leading us right into idiocracy. I'm sure others have said that the same, but it's, it's the guy in idiocracy that's like the corporation embodiment of everything that is evil. And that's almost like Donald Trump and his toupee and everything. I, I, I don't even know, man. It's like a TV show. It is blowing my mind like a, a weird TV show. <laughs> Donald Trump is such a wealthy, well-connected redneck. You know, he, he, he really, really is. He's kind of like the rich Ron White, uh, in a way. Now that you say it, the wealthy, connected <laughs> redneck. He's, it's like, I don't know if he's going to start telling me, like, tater jokes or if he's going to fire somebody. Like, it could go either way. And Ron White is rich. So that just tells you the sorry state of the average. Ron White should run. Shit. <laughs> 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 our people will support him they'll they'll come out oh man well it, it's it's gonna be interesting to see either way and i mean hey canada's just right there i mean depending on where you live in the country like for me it's just right there not saying i mean i've seen people post this they're like oh if so-and-so wins i'm moving to canada you know what those people do win and those people that say that they never go to canada they just say that because that's what social media is. You can just say shit and you then, know, like, have no follow-through on it. Exactly. And I love to fantasize about living in Barcelona with my 28-year-old girlfriend. Belize for me. But, yeah, totally. It's like, it's never going to fucking happen. Ever. I'm sure one view of the tax tables and I'd be like, uh, no, I'm staying yeah. in America. <laughs> yeah. I want my disposable income, damn it. Yep, Exactly. Well, uh, so, you know, it's a lot of science, and I think it's great what what you and and people in your community are doing because as long as everybody's just trying to educate, uh, again, uh, I, I categorize it as voters and consumers. You know, and consumers, they're voting; they're just they're doing it with dollars. And in some respects, you know, that speaks the loudest. And that is kind of weird that that's how the system is set up to be, though, because that almost says that then the people without the dollars kind of really don't get a voice. And it's, again, the whole money thing. Uh, but it, I agree. It, yeah. I, you, in, in, in a perfect society, and I'm not saying we are, you would hope both the government and corporations were sensitive enough to the needs of 
everyone throughout society, regardless of wealth or influence, uh, to try to take their needs into the equation that turns into, you know, the machine of public policy. And of course, the, the dystopic view of that is that the only way it'll happen is Skynet and us leaving the planet, basically. Like, there is no way, because I, I heard an, another uh, show, they talked about this, but they basically said that, like, any the only reason we have wars and everything is just, it comes down to one thing, is that humans are unreasonable. Like, there is just yeah. our will to be unreasonable causes all of this conflict and shit. And that's that's the one thing. And that's the one thing, I guess, that prevents all of that other stuff from happening. Like, it will never be this perfect thing because fucking humans are unreasonable. A bunch of assholes. Yeah, yeah, that's... That's true. Well, you know, there's a lot of very intelligent people out there. Elon Musk, uh, Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking. They've all within the last several months uh, come out and said, you know, look, uh, the threat of artificial intelligence, of AI, uh, is very real. And if we don't right here from the get-go at its infancy put certain safeguards and, you know, policies and industry best practices, if you will. If we don't put those into place uh, within a relatively short period of time because of the exponential growth of this technology, uh, we're going to have some crazy, crazy shit going on and the robots might be telling us what to do. And I always just kind of, you know, jokingly and cynically think, well, maybe we want the robots in charge. <laughs> maybe we need that. <laughs> kind of screwing the pooch, you know? And we might just want the robots might do a better job than us. And it hey, gives us time off for fishing and NASCAR. I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's the one thing I always like about when I read those kinds of stories. They're like, well, then what are all the humans going to do? It's like, well, we're not going to need to work because all of that stuff is being handled. So we are free to pursue our more philosophical and leisurely uh, pursuits at that point. I want to go travel the rest of the world that I haven't seen yet. Like there's a exactly. bunch of stuff. Hey, the trick just becomes having the, the you know the affluence the the money to be able to do that if you're not like actively employed and then right, right. gets into those creepy you know socialist uh, bantering and, and <laughs> everything. But uh, but no, regardless of the economic system or the form of government, I I think maybe yeah we should we should try the robots because for for God's sake uh, yeah people say well what would you do with all that spare time? But eighty percent of this country all we do is bitch about our jobs. Mm -hmm. We hate commute. We hate our boss we hate our job but we hate the customers it's uh you know we got a lot of negativity maybe maybe that's why we should hope more more states legalize and because i know i'm a lot more positive after say i've you know done a bag on the volcano than when yeah. i had say three or four shots of jameson really you really huh interesting Isn't that just amazing that it, i would be a certain person that's so weird <laughs> And, and not uh, whiskey or bourbon. Yeah. And we had a, a couple episodes ago, we had a, a cannabis. Uh, she does like uh, relationship counseling and advice, but focus on cannabis. And that was one thing she, she mentioned is that, you know, and I mentioned that we kind of try this. And it's like whenever you have an argument, just stop. Go smoke your weed in your separate corners and then come back and resume your, your talk. And I can imagine trying that with, like, shots of whiskey. It's like, all right, you just come back in like it's the ring and fights start breaking out. But when you can do that and stop mid-argument, and, of course, not everyone can do this and not everyone can do it all the time. But when you can, it is tremendously different. Like, it, it's so much more positive. Yeah. And half the time you ever remember what the hell it was you were arguing about. That's, you know, that's, that's true. You bring up a good point. I just, I, I like the idea of kind of like a marriage counselor saying, okay, the next time you guys have one of these, you know, 
knock down, drag out fights. You, yeah, you, you go to the basement, you go to the upstairs bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, each smoke a joint, you get back together. And I just pictured, you know, they get back together at the appointed time in the appointed room and like he walks in naked and she walks in with cookies. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, guys, did chill out. I think you went. Is to- this what I went in there for? I'm pretty sure this is what I went in there for. I don't know. Fuck it. Here's cookies. <laughs> I heard you say take your underwear off. I swear you that's, said that. I'm did- pretty sure. <laughs> oh, that's Damn. awesome. Yeah. It, it, it is amazing what what this plant will end up doing for society as a whole. Oh, I can't wait to see. Thanks for having me on the show. I've I've, I've loved it, and uh, I'm not sure what your time limit is. Since I'm yeah, I was actually just gonna say we're about an hour, so you you seem like you've done this before, Gooey. <laughs> Podcasting mogul, perhaps. You can find all of this guy's great writing. You, you're on Waxy. I saw in your byline you had some stuff on High Times. Like where else? Uh, where else can people find you? Um. Well, I've got my personal blog at gooeyrabinsky.com, and it's mostly waxy and my personal blog. Um, you know, there are, there, there, you know, this is a burgeoning industry, and it's really exciting right now, and it's the green rush. So there's lots of opportunities out there. So I, I might uh, start writing for uh, another outlet in the future. We'll see. Uh, but I think what, what's important, uh, we talk about community uh, and, and that uh, I, I feel like you, you build up an informal, like you have a community of listeners, mm-hmm. and I feel like a community I hope of so. Acts, <laughs> so, so I, I got to admit, I, certain, I just feel a certain loyalty to them, and so it would be very difficult to, to pull me away from writing for them. That's probably the best place to see my stuff. So is Waxy your site, or you just write for them? No, I just write for them. They're a okay. company in Denver. Uh, they're, they're a startup. Uh, the guy uh, uh, behind them uh, is from kind of a Silicon Valley mentality. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, he knows investors. He, he knows the right people to try to position Waxy uh, to where it can best get the message out but also survive financially because right. it's not a, a nonprofit, you know. Uh, but uh, it's nice to see a lot of these young CEOs and presidents who – company founders of startups. They might have seven employees. They might have 70 employees. But they're not – big corporations and to see them leverage technology, social media, and and really just uh, branding on a fraction of the dollar that the big guys do. Yeah, it's cool. I, I kind of came over from a tech writing background. I mean, I've always smoked weed and everything, but I never really thought of it as something like I could write about or review weed or strain, you know, stuff like that. So, so at once uh, I found stuff stoners like and started writing for them and then kind of took like my tech reviews and was like, dude, we could review weed this way. <laughs> like, this is awesome. And it kind of went on from there. But yeah, I do run into a lot of the same people that I would see at CES and these other conferences I would cover for the tech site. Uh, they're starting weed startups. It's kind of cool because this is my shit. Like weed is my shit. So I, I have a lot of helpful stuff to bring to them that they they don't know. And it, it, it's really cool to see all of these sites popping up. Yeah, I saw, I don't know, I was watching a new segment or a documentary the other day, uh, but but it was saying how the green rush is really very interesting and in that it's where technology and Kind of where technology and tree huggers overlap, you know. It's uh, it's it's part deadheads and and it's part software developers. Yeah, it's, it's the people. It's like the the Earth book. Oh, I forget what it's called, but it started out as like this 
this book people would subscribe to and these hippies in these communes that were doing everything themselves. Like it was a book that had tips on like growing your own stuff, kind of like an end of the world guide. If you needed to reset a civilization, it's kind of that mentality of like, we have technology and we can use it, but then we're also like old hippies that like to get dirty in, in dirt and soil and garden and shit. Is that, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of Wicca. The Rare stuff. Earth Catalog. Is that what it is? Ah, oh, God, that's going to bug me now. And the Whole Earth Catalog. The it's Whole, like a, yes, that's it. Thank you. The, during the Keep On Trucking era. Yes. CB Radio was really, you know, boy, no, awesome. no Twitter handles uh, back then. It was all CB Radio. Wow. That is so cool. I, that was the, right, the one I was thinking of. After back, I was, a, I was a little kid and it was creepy. Were you playing on CBs and stuff? No, my dad had one. Oh, nice. Because he traveled a lot for his job. And, uh, but I, it's just all the static and the, you know, stepping over each other and all. Yeah, I, yeah. It's like, I, no wonder I liked email so much when it came out in the early 90s because it was like, yes, this is, I, I make an exact message, I send it, the receiving party gets it verbatim down to the bit. And I know there's a certain accuracy there, and I found it a lot more pleasing than the analog world of, of CB radio. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's what gets me in, in the, the age of all of this community. Like, you can, you can look at your message before you send it. You can make sure it's all, like, the way it should be. And yet we still have communication issues and people – I don't know. It's just a human thing, I guess. But All right, well, Gooey, it's been awesome talking to you. Hopefully we can get you back on the show, uh, and definitely uh, we'll keep following stuff over on Waxy. I'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes at hotboxpodcast.com appreciate the support and good luck to you and all your friends out there in washington you know you guys are leading the way hopefully <laughs> i appreciate that man have a great night gooey gooey ripinski check out his work over on waxy.com w-h-a-x-y.com so um like i said earlier a great long-form article on uh as far as medical marijuana and alcoholism and then the the article we were talking about about cannabinoids and all of that goody stuff. So uh, definitely check out the reviews over on StuffStarsLike.com. Got the Chocolate Chunk, the Green Crack, the Super Silver Haze, Golden Pineapple, Star Dog. You guys see some of these pictures. I think I finally got my light box and macro lens, everything dialed in. Uh, and actually, here, for you're watching live, check this out. We'll do a little screen share, show you... Um, yeah, here we go. So this is some super silver haze. I see that there. I know if you're audio listening, this is awful, but check out the live show. You can see it. And of course, there'll be links to stuff in the show notes at hotboxpodcast.com. So check that out. Other than that, we're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Leave a review if you enjoy the show. If not, email info at hotboxpodcast.com. Let me know. Hey, what can you do to improve the show? And, uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash hotboxpodcast, and on Google Plus for as long as that's around for. Of course, subscribe to the YouTube show, and uh, you'll know when this shit goes live, and you can watch. So, uh, Matt Lee, hotboxpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. If you like you like this, this is where, is where you, you need to be. be. <laughs> If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to Hot Box Podcast.